4: In that case, I pronounce
1: you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Hey, Joe. What? How's this for a story? After the collapse of the Soviet Union, an intrepid researcher uncovers Soviet intelligence. This document, this dossier, says that just after World War II, something, no one knows what, was happening in the Antarctic. And the good old Department of Defense, they got spooked, so they took a big chunk of the Pacific Fleet, armed them to the teeth, and just sent them down south. Ooh! When they got there, it wasn't a secret Nazi base that awaited the flotilla.
3: It was freaking aliens. Whoa, whoa. escorting the Russian, uh, the Russians. That is what the KGB said. Whoa, I like Now it. that sounds like some BS, right? A little bit, yeah. It is a pretty loopy story.
4: But when you kind of dig into it, some of it actually checks out. And it kind of makes you wonder what's really out there in all that ice and snow.
3: Uh, yeah, I wonder that myself, to be honest.
0: Featuring Joe Sweeney from Thinking Sideways Podcast and filmmaker Vincent Caldoni. this is The Shocking Details.
3: Hey there. Welcome to another episode of The Shocking Details. I'm Joe, joined as always by Vincent Caldoni. Yeah, and as you may have guessed from our little teaser lead-in there, we're going to talk about a super-secret military operation in the Antarctic that happened back in the 1940s. That they yeah. still don't talk about today.
4: No, it's still pretty heavily classified.
3: It still kind of is. Yeah, you know, Though, yeah. So Operation High Jump is what it was called. Yeah. Don't know where they got that name from. I like it. But uh, this, uh, yeah, uh, it's all right. Uh, but uh, this mission took place in the waters off of Antarctica and also on land itself and in the air above even, too. They did a lot of aerial reconnaissance as well. And even if you strip away all the UFO and conspiracy stuff, because, I mean, depending on who you read about this, there's all sorts of stuff about that. That's like, you know, they actually discovered the existence of the hollow earth and then the entrance that the (laughs) aliens used to get in and out of the hollow earth. You know, they found that. I mean. I guess it goes from that to the more mundane, you know, which is – you know. <laughs>
4: It does. I've tried to leave out the really crazy stuff. Not that I'm unwilling to talk about the crazy stuff, but if it doesn't have any,
3: uh, you know,
4: primary source documents to back it up, it's just something someone on the internet said. Mm. I did oh. you a favor and left that one out of the
2: episode.
3: It totally is. The thing about it is, is like Antarctica is, in a sense, terra incognita. There's, you know, it's a it's a huge, huge continent. And it's so forbidding, uh, you know, we've really not completely explored it. No. Not nearly. So there could be all sorts of hickey stuff going on down there that we don't know about. There could be aliens living there.
0: Even if
4: you're a very skeptical, grounded person, I think you would have to say that if we somehow were able to... You know, explore Antarctica in detail. We would find surprises down there. There would be crazy stuff we never thought of. Oh yeah,
3: I'm sure. Yeah, and hopefully, really cool stuff too, like vast deposits of gold and oil. (laughs) Ha ha ha. But but anyway, let's get back to the what happened. This was 1946. The U.S. Navy sent a naval flotilla and some highly trained troops to Antarctica. Quite a large number of men that they sent down there, actually. And to supposedly, the purpose of this was to set up a military base. And train them for cold weather conditions, and this is all part of Operation High Jump. Mm-hmm. And this actually, when you think about it, ostensibly makes sense because at that time we were starting to we were starting to move into the nuclear age, and and it became a possibility of missiles, Soviet missiles, coming over the North Pole and stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, and so uh, and maybe even you know having armed confrontations, you know, <laughs> on the ice pack up there, and so yeah. This all right. made sense in that respect. So but on the other hand, it makes a little too much sense. <laughs> yeah.
4: Right. Well, yeah. this wasn't some I don't know, small convoy of boats. Do boats convoy or is that just trucks?
3: Uh no, both, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boats yeah, convoy.
4: We're calling convoy. it convoy of boats. Yeah. yeah,
3: typically, yeah, the there's been a there were been a lot of previous missions and scientific and otherwise down to Antarctica prior oh, definitely. to this, but nothing this big, nothing this yeah, no, yeah. there's
4: like forty seven hundred guys, sailors, yeah. uh, Navy sailors, and Marines, mostly sailors. I believe most of them were in the Navy. Yeah, and um, they were sent into the frigid landscape in December of all times.
3: December, actually, that's a good time down there because that's summer down there.
4: Oh, it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah it's uh, they're they're reversed for some reason down there. Don't ask me why, but uh, they need to stop. That's confusing. I know. Actually, I was actually uh, in Tierra del Fuego about twenty years ago in December, January. And, uh, other than the wind, the weather wasn't bad at all. And that mm-hmm. Fuego is by the way, not Antarctica, but it's like the stones throw away. Yeah. You're just not, across the water. It's not far from the, the Weddell Peninsula, which is part of Antarctica. So, you know, and it's definitely down in the, the furious fifties, you know, as the circum, the circumpolar winds down there, that, that circle Antarctica and that's what they call the roaring forties and the furious fifties mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. That's, uh. They are, that is real. I got to tell you, I was in, I was, I was there in the summertime. And you know what, you know what it's like up in the Columbia Gorge in the wintertime on a stormy day? Oh, yeah. You know sure. what the wind is like up there? That's what the wind is like in Patagonia in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so it's, it's hard. That's why, uh, that's, that, that's why it was so incredibly dangerous for sailors way, way back in the day to round the Cape, you know? Yeah. To, yeah. Um, yeah, so the wind's out there is is amazing. It's
4: pretty terrible.
3: Yeah. But let's uh, mm-hmm. let's let's back into this a little bit more though. So December of 1946. Again, that's not necessarily bad timing.
4: Not necessarily, yeah. but as you said there are a lot of storms down there. And apparently yeah. there were enough that the operation lasted just a few months as weather conditions supposedly got so severe the ships were getting damaged. Mm-hmm. One of them, uh we know for a fact was damaged beyond repair. It was it was scrapped or whatever when it got back to Los Angeles. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, I don't know what they were expecting down there. Apparently, no one at Naval HQ bothered to Google Antarctica.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, it's uh, one of the things that's uh, about this is they had a they had a flotilla of at least thirteen ships. Yes, I think the actual number was more like fifteen. But they um, all the previous expeditions, I I believe, had just been like one ship. Which is like you know when you're maneuvering one ship in a really really windy sea, windy and gusty, and everything like that. That's one thing, but you know when you've got all these other ships around you that you have to avoid running into, and the wind is pushing you all over the place madly. And believe me, the wind down there is going to push your ship all over the place. Um, yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe they were just colliding with each other. <laughs> That's one of the things <laughs> they didn't anticipate was that the the wind was going to make it really really hard to maneuver their ships safely. Yeah, I think I think yeah. I think you're right about that. And yeah. one of
4: the things also is that they were down there ostensibly to. I mean, they had other mission objectives but one the thing they want to do was establish a permanent research base and yeah. from what i can tell they did not even start on that
3: well that's the amazing thing is because i mean that's kind of what everybody wants to do everybody wants a base in antarctica sure because everybody wants to like you know everybody wants to do research ostensibly but also everybody wants to plant the flag and get a claim yeah in. yeah and, yeah and so you know why they weren't able to succeed in that one little thing is going kind to of be on me again i know it's i know it's hard you know but still they had unlimited in, resources, basically. Yeah. So in 1929,
4: yeah. the U.S. Navy actually mounted its first expedition and was currently running a base, Little America. There's Little America one through five. Uh-huh. Just read about this. So yeah. they were able to set up research stations down there, but for some reason, this one went just absolutely the, the wrong way.
3: Yeah. Oh, and by the way, book recommendation coming up. I mean, I mean, is there an alarm for that? But. uh uh, you, if you really want to read about one of the earliest expeditions to Antarctica, read Endurance by oh, yeah. F.A. Worsley. Have you read that book?
4: Uh, I like it so well. I have two copies of it for some reason.
3: Oh, that's awesome. No, that is isn't. <laughs> that is an incredible book. I mean, it really is yeah, good. It really It's about Shackleton. It really holds up.
4: It's an older book, but it, it you is. feel like it was written yesterday.
3: Oh, yeah. It's an, an amazing adventure. I mean, it's about Shackleton's ill-fated expedition uh, to right. the South Pole. And uh, yeah, it's a great read. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, that's totally. Let's get back to here. So let's see. All in all, uh, it's it was reported that four men were back to the 1946 expedition. By the way, not Shackleton, yeah. <laughs> but uh, four men lost their lives in this expedition. Although rumors have persisted, and not just from the conspiracy types, but uh, rumors have, have persisted that the number is actually much higher than that. Mm. I don't know. That's a good question. I know that there the the four were like uh, three men got killed in a plane crash. Mm-hmm. And uh, they never did get retrieved the wreckage from that. And then mm-hmm. uh, one guy got crushed to death in what was called an unloading incident, quote unquote. Okay. Apparently crushed by, which implies he was crushed by heavy machinery. Although. Yeah, something like that. Although they might've been getting all euphemistic, maybe what they were actually saying, clever, clever guys at the Navy are maybe. It was, it was uh, because the aliens unloaded both barrels of their particle beam on this poor guy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that, maybe that's what they were talking about. But, uh, but that's what they claimed it was, an unloading incident. Um, but, um, but, you know, uh, this was a highly secretive mission. So uh, of all the men who died in Naval Services here, it's difficult to know how many were involved in High Jump or not. Right. So they could have, yeah, they could have claimed somebody was killed In a trading accident, you know, somewhere else, and when he was actually killed down there, maybe. I don't know.
4: That's what some people have alleged. I don't know if there's any evidence for that, but, you know, it does also get into the question why was an extreme cold weather preparedness exercise so classified? Yeah. I mean, even if we're not talking about ETs and flying saucers, that is pretty weird. I kind of wonder if maybe they were drilling for a land invasion of the USSR.
3: Uh, Yeah, (sighs) though. I don't know. I don't know. Even the USSR is not that frozen.
2: <laughs> but, you got me, man. I don't know. Yeah. yeah I, don't I, mean, know.
4: Does, I mean, you think you'd maybe go to Canada and play these games instead of Antarctica? But what
3: well, do I while know? we're in Canada, we can go ahead and just seize the whole place too. You know, that's uh, you know. But oh, no, just that's kidding, that's Canadians. Just kidding. We're not. We don't want to take your country from you. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. But but yeah, typically, usually, whenever the military does something secret, they invent a cover story. So. The whole idea of, you know, like scouting for an ideal place for for a base. Maybe that was just a cover story for something else. I mean, um, I think
4: that's actually possible. Even if some of the more outlandish theories don't wash, I do think that that probably was just a cover for something they were up to. mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. And it could have been all kinds of stuff. I mean, maybe what they were looking for was just natural resources, you know, looking Mm, for oil or uranium or something like that.
4: Yeah. The Navy doesn't usually do that. And if they do it, I don't think they usually do it with. You know destroyers.
3: Well, you'd probably have to get the navy involved though, because there's you can't reach Antarctica except by sea, really. So they would. So, but anyway, I, whatever they were truly up to, and maybe they, maybe there wasn't a cover story. Maybe that's really, truly what they were doing was just you know exploring and you know setting up, hopefully, ostensibly a naval a naval base or a military base. Right. Yeah. All right, so
4: here's where things start to get <laughs> really goofy. Things well, are going to get weird from here on out, but it's fun. I'm having fun.
3: Yeah. We're getting back to where we got this information, which is KGB files, right? Right. Yeah.
4: So the KGB source, who near as I can tell is unnamed. Uh, I'll talk about who some people suspect he was in a little bit. But uh, he was allegedly a high-ranking naval
3: officer. In the U.S. Navy, right? In the U.S. Navy, Yeah. Yeah.
4: He revealed that among the officers, they weren't even totally sure why they were being sent to Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were rumors spreading among the officers that intelligence, US intelligence, had uncovered a secret
3: Nazi base in Antarctica. Well, I, I love the secret Nazi base in Antarctica. And I'm <laughs> yeah. not saying, by the way, I'm not, I'm not totally dumping on it. It, was, it. They might have had a secret Nazi base down there. I don't know. Well, they they. Yeah.
4: Well, let's just get to that. Yeah. As nuts as it sounds, we know for a fact Hitler definitely wanted to build one of those. Yeah, uh, and despite all manner of conspiracy theories that have washed around over the last you know, half century or more, it seems—I say seems—that he just never really got around to it for one reason or the other.
3: Yeah. Well, it's and and actually, if if Hitler, I know because they sent an expedition in 1939 to Antarctica, mm-hmm. and uh, um. But that didn't result in a, in a Navy base that we know of at least. But, uh, uh, but even, you know, again, uh, not a Nazi base in Antarctica is not necessarily as sinister as it sounds because again, everybody wants to plant the flag down there. So maybe that's all he, maybe he wasn't going to have a secret UFO or uh, (laughs) U U-boat base or anything like that, but he just wanted to set up a little base and plant the flag and claim a little chunk of that for Germany. Mm -hmm. Maybe yeah, that's or, all it was
4: the glory of the Reich or whatever. Yeah, absolutely that stuff he was um, into.
3: You know, so so a Nazi a, C, a Nazi base in Antarctica is not necessarily as as awful as it's you know as you would think, but uh, but, but it doesn't look like they ever got around to doing it, like you say. No, you see, going on in our our KGB files here, the source again. This is naval officers that he tells his KGB handlers that in that in their time in Antarctica, the U.S. Navy was attacked by a superior force that messed up their flotilla pretty badly. So my theory about them getting shoved around by the wind and knocking into each other or whatever, running into ice flows, Mm -hmm. maybe that's not what it was that, that messed them up.
4: That's what so, this guy told the KGB.
3: Yeah, because supposedly this is a fairly armed, this was an armed flotilla. I mean, obviously they weren't ready for a naval battle like the Pacific, you know, Pacific and World War II, but they had Marines along. I'm sure they had guns and stuff. They they had you know.
4: guns. They had uh the,
3: these ships were armed.
4: Everything yeah. I can track down about them, from the goofy uh conspiracy stuff to the more reliable stuff that's more about military history, yeah. says that they took arms with them and they had destroyer class vessels. Yeah. So basically the same group. Group of people who had just spent the last, you know, four years or whatever messing up the Japanese got messed up by something else.
3: Yeah. With the Lucky
1: Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: So, yeah, so, so this, uh, whatever this unknown superior force was, it was unknown flying craft, uh, attacked by, uh, attacking other unknown craft or something. I don't know, but, uh.
4: Yeah, they were they were flying yeah. around taking taking shots at the ship is is how it sounds.
3: Yeah, so it sounds like um, you know flying saucers or X-wing fighters from Star Wars or something. <laughs> yeah. These are not described in a ton of detail in the files, but apparently No, you
4: don't get a good picture of what they look like. And if anyone tells you they were flying saucers, that person is lying to you. They do not say that in the report.
3: Yeah, well, but they were something, something advanced and speedy and really well armed apparently. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they forced the navy to retreat from Antarctica. Yeah. So, and and the, the the KGB in their files says, it says in there that they have verified this story with accounts from other soldiers and Marines present at these attacks.
4: Yeah, so the way it comes off to me is that they... Is that the KGB had this one big source, he was the big get, but that they talked to enlisted men who basically backed up what this guy said.
3: Yeah, it wouldn't be that tough, you know, if you could, uh, especially if you've got a source in there that can tell you, give you an idea of who was there, you could track those guys down, find them in a bar off base some night, and, mm-hmm. you know, get them drunk and, you know, fly them with a few questions. And of course, you know, they're going to tell you some, some interesting tales.
4: Right, right. Yeah. These U.S. soldiers and sailors, along with the KGB's double agent, claim that the Navy engaged in pitched battle against these superior craft, and they were ultimately outmatched. The airships were faster than Japanese zeros—you know, the kind that they would have been used to fighting—and it seems that the weapons, that's the the Navy's weapons, seem to have basically no effect. Hmm. Sounds like shield
3: technology. Yeah, right. exactly.
4: The the entire might of U.S. Navy, or at least as it was in this the flotilla or whatever was only able to bring down one just one of these crafts uh-huh. But the fighting was so intense, the ships couldn't even recover the wreckage from the water.
3: Damn. It's still yeah. there, probably. Well, no, That's actually, the there. aliens probably went back and, and yeah, they scooped it. that out.
4: They are like, get out of here. Don't, you
3: don't need that. They got advanced tractor beam technology, so of That's, course- so you're just going to
4: do something dumb with it. Yeah. Ultimately, the advanced technology of these crafts proved way too much for the fleet to handle, and they were forced to retreat after losing several planes. That number fluctuates, how many planes they lost, but it does seem to be more than one, and taking- really threatening damage to their ships uh, with dozens of men injured and several killed. We know that one ship made it back to Los Angeles, but it was basically totaled and ended up having to be scrapped. And that's a real fact outside of the KGB dossier. Mm -hmm. So like, we know that happened.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah ha interesting so they had their some sort of like laser particle beam technology maybe or something i don't know know,
4: they don't really describe what these aircraft were firing at them from what i can tell and i'm kind of giving some spoilers here it doesn't sound like they were shooting sci-fi weapons at them
3: uh, (laughs) oh okay just projectile kinetic weapons it seems like they were
4: the way they describe them, they just call them aircraft they compare them to zeros so like clearly it wasn't like you know, like typical UFOs, whatever they were shooting at them wasn't so mind-blowing that they felt the need to go into describing them as beams of light or however a person in 1946 would have talked about a laser or a phaser or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, but it, it was, they had no, no way to defend themselves against them. Is kind of how it sounds. It sounds like it wasn't just that, you know, the Navy got, got as good as they could give and, you know, took a few of them out and, and decided to get out of there. It was, no, it sounded like they were getting their butts kicked and they basically had to run. Hmm.
3: Wow, so what the hell? Sounds like aliens to me. It sounds weird. Yeah, uh, after the, but after, back, after our fleet returned to the U.S., one of the leaders of the expedition was Admiral Richard Byrd, famous name, you've probably heard of him, mm-hmm. a famous polar explorer. He actually did a trip over the North Pole as well, and, but several, yeah. several expeditions to Antarctica. So he was an expert on uh, naval polar logistics. He knew about that stuff. And he was a, you know, I think a renowned explorer in his own right, wouldn't you say? He was a little I mean, bit of a media
4: figure in in his
3: day. He was, he was, he was uh, um, the youngest, the youngest admiral at, at that time in the U.S. Navy because his exploits were so incredibly, amazingly popular with the public. The Navy decided to like you know, kick him upstairs a little faster than everybody else. Yeah. But he started talking with the media, and that's Admiral Bird, um, that the U.S. should set up defense bases in the polar regions. And that flying crafts from the area posed a serious threat to the U.S. Um, and um, he he really did say this. I think and one of the things he said, he said is that he felt that the the earth was sh- uh, that that the earth is basically shrinking, and you know, not not literally, but but in terms of right. in terms of people being able to get from A to B quickly, it was a much different place than it had been just a couple of decades before. Mm-hmm. Um, now here's a quote from what he said to an in, to an interviewer. He said, quote, I have to warn my compatriots that the time has ended when we were able to take refuge in our isolation and rely on the certainty that the distances, the oceans, and the poles were a guarantee of safety, unquote. Mm-hmm. In other words, he's saying, yeah, with modern jet aircraft and missile technology and all this stuff. Yeah, the, uh, you know, we—, we we're not as safe as we used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think He's uh, right. Yeah. Well, I, you know, some people say that these statements were kind of controversial. Um, that, uh, and, you know, got him in, got him in some hot water with the guys upstairs. Although, as you and I were, as you and I were talking about earlier, this is like, I, I'm not really sure. Cause, like, yeah. And from the, in the, looking at it through the prism of Washington bureaucratic politics, some, some people probably loved hearing these words. <laughs> <laughs> because we're talking about new projects and uh, bigger budgets and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff, you know, right? right. also, no, exactly, yeah, you know. And so, although at the same time, I mean, he was a Navy guy, so probably this probably did raise some hackles over over there with the army. So there might have been a little infighting over that. Um, yeah, but uh,
4: well, uh, it didn't seem to go well for his career. He was put into some kind of early retirement and ended up in a mental institution under circumstances that I could not get good. Info on mm-hmm. uh, allegedly, and this is we're getting into some shadier stuff. Uh, doctors told his sister that Admiral Byrd was fine, he wasn't crazy at all. Yeah, and they didn't really know why he was being kept in there. Yeah, uh,
3: that he must did have, not do,
2: yeah,
3: yeah. I, I don't know because he, um, he, he might have had a like some sort of a breakdown or an issue or something like that, but I know that he did participate with the you know, as, as a member of the Navy. In mm-hmm. Operation Deep Freeze, that was in like 1955, 56.
4: Yeah, I'm looking actually looking at Operation Deep Freeze right now. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, so, so he did get back in there.
3: Yeah, so he was back in Antarctica in February 1956. Uh, not Not that long. I think he was just there for about a week. But, well, uh, it couldn't yeah. have been
4: there for that long because he passed away in 1957.
3: Yeah, no, I know he uh, he died kind of young. I think he was 68 years old. He had a heart attack in his sleep, or maybe mm-hmm. he was assassinated. Huh. But there uh, are
4: people who feel that way.
3: <laughs> well, maybe I don't know. But uh, so he wasn't. You know, didn't uh, his his controversial statements? I don't think really ended his career. Uh, but um, I
4: think it ended the, his career in the public. Sp- uh, what do you call it? The public sphere. You don't read a lot about him giving interviews or running his mouth after that from the little bit of research I was able to
3: hmm yeah no it was, it, was it, it he definitely was talking about threats coming over the polls and and i and mm-hmm. frankly even though i i agree with him wholeheartedly especially with my my gift of hindsight that I have. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> threats coming over the north pole you know he was he was spot on about that yeah um, but, no i think he's totally right yeah although threats coming towards the us over the south pole eh, you know that hasn't materialized yet
4: <laughs> not yet it it's that's a little I, further a little more remote but yeah I, you know i i you know i think if he if we want to look at you know from a strategic standpoint total global preparedness He's got a point that we got. We can't just ignore the polar regions. They are part of the world, and yeah, if we, you know, if you're looking, especially in you know, in a late '40s mindset of stopping uh, short-range ballistic missiles, not the kind of ICBMs yeah. uh, that we're talking about. If we're talking about, you know, possibly stopping ground-based invasions. That's territory we have to have some presence in. Just like how in the Second World War, we had to establish a whole lot more military presence in areas like the Pacific Ocean, which were pretty remote in the early.
3: 40s oh yeah no definitely and uh, if, if if somebody like especially back in those days people were probably thinking that the russians might establish military bases big ones uh in antarctica then you know that could potentially be a threat to a lot of our interests around the world not necessarily yeah, sure. to the continental u.s but you know yeah. say you want to send a, an aircraft carrier from the atlantic to the pacific how are you going to do that mm-hmm. you kind of got to go around the horn you can't just yep. you can't go through the panama canal So you can't do that. We've learned a lot about sending big ships to the Panama Canal lately. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, and so you got to send them fairly close to Antarctica where the Ruskies with their their military bases can sink them. So, you know, so anyway, it's uh yeah. And Antarctica does have strategic value. I think even today, um, yeah. All right. So let's jump forward
4: to 1958 and talk about operation
3: Argus. Argus. Yes. This is a fun one.
4: Yeah. I mean, I caught a lot. I could have gone, we could have done a whole thing about Argus, but it, It's kind of boring. Ah, it's interesting.
3: It's not boring to
4: you guys like you, Joe.
3: Of course not. Yeah. But uh,
4: for most folks, folks like me, military arcana is a little bit of a snooze. But so here's the official story in a nutshell. Tell me if I get this wrong, Joe, because I bet you know more about this than I do. Wow. Military scientists hypothesized that in the event of the Soviet Union shooting missiles at the United States, we could fire low yield, heavily radioactive missiles, basically like dirty bombs on rockets, into our own atmosphere, like above the continent, and that the cascading array of radiation and tachyon field waves or whatever they're called, that fallout as it cascaded down would kill the electronics inside the Soviet nukes, forcing them to drop from the sky, creating oh, a shield over the country. I love it.
3: Yes. And uh, so uh, that's yeah. what they want to do. Yeah. This was, this was called the Christophilos effect. Uh, yes. This yes. Was, that is what it's called. Yeah. Predicted by uh, a physicist named Nicholas Christophilos who worked for the government. 1957, he postulated the possibility that that uh, if you touched off a few nukes in the atmosphere, like a couple hundred miles up, maybe a thousand miles up, then um, the electrons, all these masses of electrons from these from these air bursts, would be trapped in the Earth's magnetic field just like i mean today the the van allen belts around the earth trap a lot of particles right right and so the idea was that they, these electrons could be would be trapped and it it would it's, it would kind of be like a slow motion emp effect uh like mm-hmm. electromagnetic pulse and so uh, any anything passing through these fields of electrons would be would would be blasted with so much high voltage it would be like an emp and it would toast their their delicate electronics on board right yeah hypothetically it was it was an interesting concept and the government decided to check it out and argus is we operation argus was unique in the sense that from the very beginning to the execution of it it only took about six months that's fast which was very fast especially for the government typically this should have taken at least a couple of years to, to plan this and and carry it all out but they uh they did indeed. They touched off uh, three nukes in the in the atmosphere down down near Antarctica in 1958. It was this was just before they. One of the reasons they rushed it so much is because there a test ban of an atmospheric test ban was about to go into effect, and so they had to get it done quickly. But but they were disappointed, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you see it. <laughs> Probably fortunately, yeah. it, it turns out the effect did happen. It 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 was. It, but it was a lot weaker than they thought it would be. Was not the, the effect was not strong enough to fry Russian nukes, unfortunately.
4: Yeah, and you have so, to imagine you know, they could also shield against that too.
3: Yeah, a, that's the thing is it counter- inside the nuke. Yeah, the countermeasure for all this stuff is pretty simple and easy. You know, a little a little Faraday cage inside, there, you know, on a, a surrounding right, right. every one of your nu- your nukes would probably be all you'd need. And so, yeah, wasn't that so great of an idea? Yeah,
4: nah, it could have been better. Wisely, though, the U.S. didn't want to try this out over its own country.
3: No, So they picked really?
2: Antarctica,
4: <laughs> I guess, because no one lives there. Yeah. It's still kind of a weird place to do that. It's the only thing you could find somewhere else.
3: Actually, at least according to the official story, it wasn't right over Antarctica. It was kind of over the South Atlantic, kind of between uh, South Southern Africa and Antarctica. That is, I
4: did read that in uh, on the good old Wikipedia.
3: Well, that's what they say, but that's what they would say, isn't it? That is what they'd say. Yeah, that um, is what they'd say. Yeah,
4: yeah, and then they also had something about said something about wanting to test how well the nukes would work in extreme cold conditions. Because remember, this isn't yeah. just how cold it is on the ground; this is atmospheric. Yeah, so it's it's real cold up there. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know why they picked the waters off Antarctica instead of it like the South Pacific, like Bikini Atoll, where they had been dropping them. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. Um,
3: it might have been. Um, uh, it might have been just getting uh, getting the the whole experiment away from prying eyes. Perhaps I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
4: harder for yeah. the harder for the soviets to watch yeah i guess um well whatever the point was the u.s lit off three nukes in the airspace over antarctica somewhere
3: i guess off in the south atlantic yeah um not too and far not too far from antarctica but uh yeah
4: yeah i guess it didn't really do what they wanted it to because we don't use that in method to defend our country no um of course There is just not much good info on Operation Argus uh, because it is still technically classified. Yeah, but it doesn't stop there. There is said to have been film reels of the blasts, but those are "quote unquote" lost, and no one can see them.
3: Well, you know the uh, the thing about it is again, there's often they might this might have been a straight up straight up real thing, or this could be the cover story for something else. You know, I mean. Maybe what Argus was about was, uh, the, you know, there were there were some aliens, you know, invading, and they had we had to like shoot some nukes up into the atmosphere to blast their uh, blast their spacecraft out of the sky. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
4: Who the hell knows? I mean, well, that's kind of what, well, we'll get there. We'll get there in a second. This is where it also starts to get strange is there are alleged to be people. I don't know who with high level clearance, who've actually seen these film reels claiming that they're not lost. And this has been going on for, I think since like the sixties and that it was not in fact, three low yield nukes in the atmosphere off coast of Antarctica, but one extremely potent bomb, probably a hydrogen bomb being detonated closer to the surface of Antarctica.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. And that sounds crazy, but I did find one thing saying the Soviet that Soviet nuclear researchers hypothesized as much back in 58 based on the radiation sensors that they had around the South Atlantic. Mm-hmm. They didn't really buy this. Oh, we just put a few small ones way up in the atmosphere. They thought it was something much more potent and closer to the ground.
3: It could be. I don't, no, actually, no. I, I, I kind of like the idea of um, touching off a few hydrogen bombs over over Antarctica and just seeing with this massive, massive blast of heat, you know, how much ice it could melt. We could just see what's underneath all that ice. That'd be kinda of cool. You know, I <laughs> you, uh, like,
4: you'd be also nuking whatever's underneath there. But yeah, you'd see some cool mountains
3: and stuff. You might. Yeah. I mean and, 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 and
4: I just want to be clear, you know. the sources that I was looking at, these are like you know military history websites and reporters who cover this stuff. This isn't alien conspiracy stuff. Mm-hmm. You can find that out there too. But these are people who are much. They'd probably be annoyed at me mentioning their their research in the same breath as all my UFO stuff. Yeah. Uh, many savvy military historians believe the U.S. secretly and illegally dropped an H bomb in Antarctica in yeah. 1958 and covered it up.
3: Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how how illegal that even would have been. But um, it's maybe. a good question.
4: I don't know. I think it. I think it would have been. I think to drop a nuke on the surface of Antarctica. Well, would. A violated international treaty mm-hmm. tell me how illegal that is or isn't
3: yeah i yeah definitely today it would uh but oh, yeah uh, but anyway you know the nice thing about it is there's nobody living there so ha uh, you know, nobody <laughs> nobody to call nine one one. but uh
4: but that leak that leaves the same question why nuke the middle of no place
3: um uh, you know that that that's a good question maybe it is like what i said they just thought they just thought they'd see like uh Maybe they wanted to test one particular new kind of bomb and make sure it worked, or maybe, like I was saying, they wanted yeah, but to the
4: Antarctica, not the South Pacific or something.
3: Oh, well, maybe they were feeling sorry for the poor fish, you know <laughs> yeah, right? right that's one of the things i have always felt like you know with some of those some of those things that we did is like you know it was like, uh, it's in the middle of nowhere, but you know there's a hell of a lot of fish and other critters living Birds. in the ocean there yeah. it's just yeah, w- imagine all the whales and dolphins that were killed, you know.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. I mean, there's no way that wasn't, I mean, it was, we know for a fact it was, it had a major detriment on uh, the ecology of the area, but I mean, it would essentially be true in Antarctica.
3: How could it not? I mean, I I was just, I'd never seen any film of it, but I would imagine there must've been millions of dead fish just, you know, floating on the surface after those things.
4: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. And then, then you have the long-term radioactive fallout, which is, I mean, I'm not like a wildlife biologist here, but I'm gonna say that's probably not great for like coral and fish.
3: Yeah, yeah. And probably or on not the other really hand, you know, ones. maybe they thrive on that crap. Who knows? But nature is superfish
4: took care of the Soviet Union for us. Yeah. But what the flying saucer set thinks was going on during Operation Argus is yeah. that they were finishing off what the Navy couldn't get done in nineteen six.
3: Yeah. And yeah. That's blows uh, my mind. Yeah, I like it. It's uh yeah. So the uh the uh the aliens were down there and, and and we were sending secret emissaries to them saying, Hey, you know, look, you know, this is our planet. We'd kind of prefer that you leave. And the aliens were going like, ha ha, neener, neener, you know? And so yeah, remember what,
4: remember how it happened last time you tried to buck up on us?
3: Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, Exactly, and uh, and so uh, they didn't realize perhaps that we were developing hydrogen bombs, and so maybe that's what happened. I don't know.
4: Yeah, and we just finally, yeah, whatever like alien base they had, and on the South Pole they just took it straight to it with the biggest H bomb they could get down there, and mm-hmm. took care of that.
3: Yeah, they're toast now. <laughs> <That is laughs> yeah, I like it.
4: Mind blowing. Well, Joe, I got to tell you, my mind is too too blown right now. I can't. It's just, it's all in pieces all around me.
3: Yeah, I think that uh, the only thing that's gonna be is. is that that's gonna bring us back and center our center us again is like some refreshing and, and heartening words from our sponsors. Yeah, yeah. that's a great idea. I, I love think, that idea. Yeah, that'll get us that'll get us back back on track here. All right, so we're gonna be right back. And we're back. All right, ready to talk theories. At least I am. Are you Vincent? I'm ready.
4: I'm feeling uh, much better.
3: Okay, yeah, me too. Uh caught my breath there. There's not that many. Uh they're fun, of course, and interesting. Um Let's see. You have a particular favorite?
4: I'm just going to start at the
3: top. Yeah. Let's go
4: from the skeptical angle.
3: Yeah. To, to begin,
4: that's kind of what I like. Yeah. It's the most skeptical of theories, uh, but you know, normally I kind of push back on you know the kind of like the boring skeptical theories. I actually kind of am open to this one. Yeah. And that's just the theory that Antarctica is a much more messed up place than they were thinking.
3: Uh yeah, it is. It's tough. It's a huff. It's a Harsh environment. I mean, (laughs) yeah. yeah.
4: So Operation High Jump was meant to see how the U.S. Navy would fare in extreme cold conditions. Mm -hmm. And you can imagine that the admirals were sitting around thinking that these battle-hardened ships could take on anything, anywhere on planet Earth, whatever the atmosphere had to offer. But Mm -hmm. the waters of Antarctica are brutal. In the good seasons, you know, it's a whole other story. So, uh, even modern vessels, I mean, they can't just go there willy nilly today. They have to be built for it.
3: Yeah. You know, the, uh, I, this is something where I could see where they planned all sorts of things, all the logistics surrounding, say, transporting men and, uh, and equipment and machinery and material there to get it all set up. They overlooked some really, really small little things like, uh, Say, like, you know, how are the rubber seals and gaskets on our Mm -hmm. engines going to perform under really, really, really cold conditions? Things like that, that just the extreme conditions just caused their machinery to start, you know, uh, right? You know, to to start. So, one
4: source I was looking at was talking about how not so much that like the engines were failing, but that they had too much stuff on the outside of the boat. Yeah, And it was subject to freezing and ice buildup and just sort of falling apart, mm-hmm. you know, like radar and stuff, you know, navigation equipment was locking up on them and causing real big issues.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's entirely plausible. You know, the, uh, we're actually just right now on the, uh, the anniversary of the loss of the thresher, which was one of our earlier nuclear boats, nuclear submarines mm-hmm. here in the U S and that was a similar thing. It was like, um. Um, they, uh, this was the most sophisticated submarine that the U.S. had yet built, nuclear powered and ultra modern, and everything. And it wound up, wind up uh, it wound up sinking unaccountably on a shakedown cruise. Mm-hmm. And part of, and the, the 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 prevalent theory about it, nobody really knows 100 percent for sure why it sank because uh, when they found it. It had imploded and then exploded, and and there was there weren't too many large pieces of it left laying around. But it, uh, the prevalent theory is that uh, when they built this this new submarine that was built to dive far far deeper than any submarine that the U.S. Navy had built before, they essentially based like the the ballast system and everything off the old fleet boat system, and the uh-huh. fleet boats had a had a uh, test dive limit of 400 feet and they didn't they didn't really redesign it or upgrade it for these new harsher conditions that this boat was supposed to function in that's ridiculous it I is well like yeah that. they they so they up- i would have thought of that i'm, I'm not an engineer i know right they, Well, was yeah so they upgraded all this stuff like the propulsion system is you know the latest and greatest nuclear power and yeah but they just you know didn't really upgrade some of the other stuff and whoopsie they should have mm-hmm. thought of that yeah. Um uh so a little design snafu there. Of course it was uh, there was a major expensive program to remedy that situation called Subsafe but um but yeah, I mean that's the kind of thing that can happen. I mean um this and so yeah, what what worked perfectly well before, they just said, "Well, why wouldn't why is it not going to continue to work well now?" Why not? Right, we're
4: having a great time in yeah. the South Pacific. Why wouldn't it work in Antarctica?
3: Yeah. And so, yeah, so it's just, it's, it's probably is, a, at least a, a big part of this, is just that, that they didn't account for the conditions being so,
4: right. much, and so it, much harsher. And it does make sense that yeah. if they send this giant flotilla and 5,000 men down there and they yeah. get their butts kicked by bad weather, yeah, that they'd want to cover that up. That would not be something they'd want to politicize. Yeah. So they put the lid on it with the full force of the bureaucratic weight of the United States
2: government.
3: Mm-hmm. And then they think they may be fed a little BS to... Uh, to the KGB. So. See, that's what
4: I think. And you go, oh, wait, but what about this KGB report? That's pretty yeah. legit, right? But mm-hmm. like, you know it's a really great thing to do during a Cold War? Yeah. Feed your enemies a bunch of BS intelligence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe the Soviet's double agent was actually a triple agent and the CIA or somebody like that had him feeding the Ruskies a bunch of just total nonsense. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, that's actually pretty brilliant because it accomplishes two goals. It saves face, right? You wouldn't, want, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't want the Soviet Union learning that your Navy was pretty much taken out by the wind. Yeah, bad <laughs> weather. To,
3: yeah. Yeah.
4: It gets them spinning their wheels, running around, hunting for flying saucers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's an absolute military or strategic advantage to have them wasting their time on snipons.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. The, um, the thing about it is, though, is that like, the CIA has never been good at fooling the Soviets or the Russians. The Russians Not are a really. lot better at that stuff. Usually, it was the other way around they had the they had the c i a and the f b i chasing their tails more times than I can imagine. Yeah, the that's it's true. And uh, well, but we but, don't know
4: yeah. Joe, we don't know that the the that, that actual military intelligence for the Soviet Union was fooled by this. There was one KGB agent who put together this little dossier or whatever.
3: Absolutely, he, yeah.
4: He seemed pretty convinced, but they may have read this and been like, "Vasily, you're an idiot."
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The uh, and yeah, and uh, that that's it's entirely possible that they, he took the report and uh, submitted it with some some trepidation and they all agreed that their source is just off his rocker and uh, stopped <laughs> using him so that could have been that too but he still had to report back what the source said yeah i mean I right mean, yeah so, he yeah.
4: had to prove he did something while he was out there getting that info
3: yeah exactly so um or, or you know so that's possible it was disinformation i mean mm-hmm. and, and
4: so so we just to double back because we promised we would uh, yeah. some people think that this source this unknown source was actually bird himself
3: mm-hmm. i do yeah, have for evidence me. for that but that that is what some people think. That would be a high level source, now wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, it said to be an officer. He would have been an officer. I mean, yeah,
3: admirable. He would have been, but that, that no wonder he died in his sleep of a heart attack at, at the at the young age <laughs> yeah. of sixty eight. Yeah. Yeah. The, Not,
4: testing for polonium two ten.
3: Yeah, I know. Seriously. Uh, uh, but and there's just one thing. Yeah. And, and
4: when I looked into this, that really stops me from just fully embracing this this theory, which is, you know, we did exercises. The United States did. All kinds of exercises like this after the Second World World War to test yeah. preparedness around the world. We didn't tend to send this many boats and like five thousand men. Something about it, and I'm not the only one who's commented on this. Says people think there was something weird about Operation High High Jump that it felt like a real war and not just an exercise. The quickly, the speed with which they put it together, the amount of firepower they brought with them, the number of men. Like it would have been really expensive. The cost would have been immense. Yeah. Other defense exercises happened. They just weren't any, I can't couldn't find anything really on this scale. Do you know more about it? Can you think of one on this scale?
3: Uh, I can't off the top of my head, but um, it's not, it's not entirely, I mean, uh, a military exercise of this, of this many people is not, at. I mean, I can't think of one off the top of my head that I can name, but it's not, not that unusual. And okay. again, at this point in time, we're sorry, start, we're starting to think about maybe doing battle with the Russians. Up at the pole, the North Pole, the polar ice caps mm-hmm. up there. I know that one of the things that they were practicing uh, was creating. They had they brought in some special machinery to create airstrips on the ice down there, and that's when yeah. the guy that, uh, who again I don't know his name, who was who was killed in the unloading inc- incident. Apparently, mm-hmm. he was crushed to death by this machinery that they brought in to make airstrips, and I don't know what this stuff. If it was just like a massive steamroller kind of thing, yeah, maybe it was some sort of massive like heated steamroller. You know, it would like sort of crush yeah. the ice down and then blast Level it, with, it, blast it with flame, and then roll over it again and make a nice. That's kind of what I'm
4: picturing. It was just like just like a giant planer. Yeah, you know, apparently like this poor, on wood.
3: Yeah, apparently this poor guy got like run over by that machine or something. Ooh, yeah, geez, nasty, that. yeah, That's- that sucks. But um, and so maybe that was the whole plan. Was this it was just an exercise to practice. Going into this incredibly hostile environment, setting up a temporary military base with airstrips and everything. And then, you know, and so maybe that's what they were practicing. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that this was a legitimate but non-war. But at the same time, it could be they went down there to actually wage war as well yeah i don't know
4: you know i think i guess what i can say is that the the crack you can go through in this one you can be really skeptical and really like what they were down there shooting down flying saucers Mm -hmm. off the coast of antarctica that's ridiculous i think there is still some mystery around what the heck they were doing down there and why they were doing it Mm -hmm.
3: yeah uh yeah my my, the one thing i would say that makes me but again maybe they're lying to us i've seen the the list of the aircraft that they took with them down there Mm -hmm. there weren't that many but again they could be lying And they all seemed to be sort of like just you know, reconnaissance oriented rather than yeah. fighting planes. I mean, they had some flying boats and they had helicopters and stuff like that. They didn't take any fighter jets that I know of down there with them. Um,
4: well, I don't know how many fighter jets they had in 1946, but take your point. Yeah, they did or, not seem prepared to do
3: air battle. Yeah. I shouldn't say fighter jets, but you know, fighter planes, they had, yeah, they yeah. had Boku, or whatever. But, yeah. They had boat coup fighting planes, you know, like, yeah, yeah they yeah, had, it's true. They had scads of them. I mean, they were, they were, Actually, scrapping them with, with just mad abandon at post World War II and everything. Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's what this was all about. Is they took all this material down there to just store it in Antarctica? Because you know Antarctica is, if you don't know this, is the driest place on Earth. That's true. It yeah. is. Um, yeah. So yeah, you want to store, you know, mothball a bunch of stuff? Just park it in Antarctica. <laughs> and it'll be it'll be just fine, except for all that snow and ice on top. Right? I was going go to get it back, but, I don't think
4: Antarctica is known as a great storage facility.
3: Yeah, uh, it's got its advantages and its disadvantages. Number one is right. that uh, break-ins and theft are pretty much unknown. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> but, uh, right, yeah. Well, what are what are the so we got another theory here? Um, Nazis, Nazis, yeah, the Nazis. So, uh, in 2016, Russian explorers discovered a real-life Nazi base in Antarctica. Right? Well, not really. No, it's just <laughs> it a bunker. It really just kind
4: of a little bunker. I don't yeah. Think it was used for all that much, but it does show that Hitler and the Nazis did have a presence on the continent.
3: Yeah. I don't which know. Part
4: of this time, I believe, was just a rumor.
3: Yeah. Well, I don't know that this was a par- part of a permanent base or just a temporary structure that they uh, erected for as part of their maybe their 1939 expedition to to the continent to um, so i can't
4: remember when they built it i did actually look that up but it Mm -hmm. is it's pretty small i don't think it it was maybe it was supposed to be the start of something really permanent
3: yeah but it doesn't
4: in and of itself it's it's just kind of a ruin
3: yeah they probably but it's not like it's
4: a tar paper shack with a swastika on the side like it was a real building
3: yeah not that either it's kind of cool actually it's a See, but they didn't leave a couple of crates full of highly collectible Lugers and Schmeitzers in there. That would be really nice. Oh uh, yeah. 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 I don't know. But uh um but 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 the Nazi base, uh, naval officers widely believed the mission was a cover to root out the last of the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. So that's uh yeah, so you That know, was
4: a rumor among the officer corps.
3: No, uh, yeah. I well, you know, we've all heard these stories about the the bunch of Nazis fled to Antarctica post World War II. Mm
4: hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. Maybe where it comes from.
3: Yeah. Yeah the reports uh, uh, and as far as you know the official reports don't talk about anything very science fictiony uh no but, not at know, all. about 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 Operation High Jump but they do talk about extremely fast well armored aircraft that posed a real challenge to our military and granted probably High Jump was not the best armed flotilla they weren't really there for battle unless they were the unless they guns. actually were there down there too Oh uh, yeah, they're in the navy. They're gonna—they're always gonna be armed with, you know, armed right, teeth, is right? Right. Like, uh, and so, yeah, if they had actually a, a Nazi base down there, and they had—and the Nazis, of course, were—they developed jet aircraft before any of the rest of us did. They did by quite a bit. Yeah, they had some very advanced stuff in terms of aircraft, rockets, submarines. I mean, they were beating the pants off of us in a lot of areas, technologically mm-hmm. speaking. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah. so here's
4: here's a fun fact for you. Yeah. Chuck Yeager was only the first person to break the sound barrier mm. and live. Live is the operative sentence. At least one and probably yeah. more Nazi pilots died after taking various rocket planes well past the sound barrier, but then they would come crashing down into a billion little pieces. Mm-hmm. Like they couldn't even find.
3: Yeah, bones. I, uh, yeah, I know that, uh, that, I uh, yeah, Apparently there are challenges in flying that fast in terms of, you know, control and everything like that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> they were good yeah. at getting them off the ground, but, you know, basically it was a, a V2 with a, you know, po- with a cockpit.
3: Yeah, with a cockpit and some tiny wings. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole thing is like the, uh, the 10, I would, I would imagine that uh, if you're flying in a plane going three, 400 miles an hour and you make a, a correction with your flaps or your rudder or whatever. It's like, okay, whatever, you know, and then you, you know, make a similar correction at, you know, at supersonic speeds It's probably going to be a lot more radical in its effect. Oh yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's when you see jet planes up in the air, a lot of times what they're doing is they're drilling to learn how to bank correctly so that they don't rip themselves apart with their own crosswind.
3: mm -hmm, Yeah. Or just, yeah. Or, or just put on a little too much G force there. Um, Yep. Yeah, it's, it's funny when you see those uh, see some of those supersonic planes that the that the U.S. has and everything. They look so space-agey and everything, but those things are built like freaking tanks. They kind of yeah. have to be because of the yeah. forces that those things undergo. No, totally. And so that's another possibility, too, is that they just didn't build their craft heavily enough to withstand the forces that they were subjecting them to. There were, but, there were uh, so many
4: problems. If you read about it, it didn't go very well. But maybe right at the end of the war, they got some of them right.
3: Yeah, so, yeah it's entirely plausible. Could
4: Operation Junk just have... have I just accidentally stumbled upon a highly armored Third Reich holdout base. Yeah. I mean, my only problem with it, honestly, I, I'm willing to just entertain this kind of wild speculation up the point that we haven't found that base. Yeah, not yet. Wherever they put this thing, they must have hit it. Yeah.
3: Because no one's seen it in the
4: last 70 years or whatever.
3: Well, you know... It's, it wouldn't be that hard to hide it, though, because nature would tend to hide it for you down there. I mean, it's going to be just blanketed with snow and ice and more snow and more ice and more snow and more ice, and so yeah. uh, that yeah. could be it. it. Maybe there was a base down there, and it's just you know it just got naturally covered up. Yep. You know, or maybe
4: it got wiped off the face of the planet by uh, Operation bomb? Argus.
3: Yeah, it could be. That could be, <laughs> it. That could be it too. I, I don't know. That's
4: really my only major beef with it. I, I do think there's like maybe just this kind of tiny shred of credibility when you know, there's so much UFO lore around Operation High Jump. Mm-hmm. But actually, when you kind of dig into it, no one's like, oh, these were like. Space, you know, like they don't describe them like spaceships, they yeah. describe them like extremely just,
3: capable aircraft. Yeah,
4: exactly. Yeah. That sounds more like the Nazis to me. And we know Hitler had a weird thing about Antarctica, which is why these theories about the last Nazi holdouts in Antarctica is, you know, still going 70, 80 years later. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I'd have to see more than just a little bunker.
3: I think, um, personally, this, you know, if I were in charge, I would send a small contingent of people down there with a white flag to talk to the Nazis. And just explain, look, you know, you guys, you guys are probably sick of being here, sick of the weather. And so we're going to give you amnesty. But in return, you got to let us look at all your cool toys. Okay. And that's what we, that's, that's probably what we would have done. I mean, like, for example, after World War II, we brought a a ton of Nazi scientists over to America to help us build our rockets and stuff.
4: Yeah. You know, who knows what those guys would have kicked up in the last, 70, 80 years. Yeah. It'd probably be weird, though, like living in isolation in Antarctica.
3: Yeah, actually. Uh, so some, some
4: strange people.
3: Yeah. I,
4: don't, I, mean, I, don't, not, I mean, the Nazis were strange anyway. Vril, like when you read it, like these guys were
3: wacky. Uh, yeah, a lot of them were. I mean, I mean, not everybody who joined the party was it was as whacked out as everybody no. else. It's you know, People varied quite a lot, but some of them were pretty whacked out. They believed a lot of really new agey stuff the Nazis they did. They did a lot of meth. Uh, yeah, they did actually. Yeah, they, they did do a lot of math, and uh, <laughs> no, I'm not joking. That's really true. <laughs> no, it's true. And, I mean, they actually gave that to their pilots to to mm-hmm. enhance their, their awareness and their alertness on, on long flights and stuff like that. And uh, yes, yeah, so that's where that's where math originated. I believe was back yeah, around World War II time. Right, yeah. yeah. And, All right. So yeah. let's,
4: let's move on from methed out Nazis
3: over methed Antarctica. Nazis. Yeah, I'm, I'm kinda I'm kind of skeptical about the Nazi thing. I yeah. am too.
4: But I think theory three is the right one.
3: Yeah, because again, back to the last thing about the Nazis, I think after a little bit of time in Antarctica, they would have come out of there probably themselves waving the white flag at us and saying, Hey, look, what's <laughs> hey, so bored? Well, we've got some cool toys. If you promise not to execute us, <laughs> then we'll we'll let you look at our cool toys. But we're, let's go we're
4: running out of canned
3: spinning. Oh yeah. Uh, well let's go on to our na- Our third theory, which is a good one. It's the correct one. It is, obviously. It was aliens. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
4: That's it. That's the one. That's right. Get over it. Uh, It's true. Aliens did it.
3: Okay. Debate's over. Wow. Let's see. Time (laughs) to run the credits. Well, let's see. Well, maybe Uh, not. No,
4: I don't know. I'm actually going to go with the probably not. Nothing else. I was really surprised when I read this, expecting to get some fun UFO lore out of it. No one really talks about ETs. Yeah. None of these things sound particularly more alien than I they just don't describe it that way I know I've talked about this a lot
2: yeah this
4: is nothing from first you know the the text whether it's the KGB or anyone else sound very science fictiony it's frustrating they don't go into more depth about what they saw but to me that points out that they were more ordinary right mm-hmm. they're not talking about flying saucers or lasers so I and I also have no idea why if the U.S. discovered hostile aliens living in Antarctic in 1946 why they'd wait a full 12 years to do something about it
3: Maybe it took him that long to put together a nice hydrogen bomb. I don't know. I don't remember when the first hydrogen bomb was created. That is a long (laughs) time. I feel like if
4: I were the president and like Admiral Byrd comes back and he's like, yeah, there were straight up aliens with super weapons down there. We need to do something. I'd be like, okay, let's 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 do this today not in 12 years
3: yeah well you know um, um the thing about it is is like you know if i were aliens so uh, maybe i would find antarctica to be a really cool place to hang out because i mean oh, yeah. maybe these are aliens from the ice planet of hoth I maybe mean, we call that <laughs> from star wars right? yeah, yeah so maybe to them to you know this was like you know the the best place on earth to be and they've been living down there for god knows how long yeah and then suddenly humans start intruding and. uh and uh, we sort of had maybe we had a, sort of an accommodation with them after 1946, and for some reason that accommodation broke down. Yeah. And so yeah, like, maybe yeah, maybe
4: we know. tried to try to negotiate, and they weren't they weren't they weren't working with us.
3: Yeah, but yeah, and it's it's also possible that aliens have been living in Antarctica for millions of years. I mean, yeah, maybe they've been on this planet like forever. <laughs> I mean, because you got to remember the aliens are not on the same timeline as us. I mean. No, why would they be? no, they're not I mean they could have they, they could literally have been way more advanced than us a million years ago, two three four million years ago. They've been on the planet this entire time. who knows who yeah. the hell knows I mean I, yeah, and then uh suddenly these friggin talking monkeys start getting smart and you know <laughs> making tools Show up with a battleship and yeah and and getting getting all and uh yeah and uh and so and despite well you know you can look at it it's kind of like um from the aliens' point of view, they might not have unlimited resources. It's like, uh, look at them, like, say, a, a small group of, say, Europeans uh, in, a, in a hostile African country back in, the, in, say, the 18th or 19th century. And the Europeans have much superior technology. Like, they've got muzzle-loading mm-hmm. muskets, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but well, here's the thing. There's only a few dozen of them. And there's, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of, of natives armed with spears and bows and arrows and God knows what. How do you mm-hmm. think they're going to fare? Well, And probably I mean, for the aliens, it's a similar thing. They've got much superior technology, but then it's not like they have unlimited quantities of it.
4: It's, yeah. That's funny. That's almost how I pictured I kind of pictured like that Operation High Jump. They come down there and they're like, okay, get these guys off our lawn. You know, they could have just taken out the, the, the flotilla in, in seconds, but they didn't want to do that. So they, they chase them with some of the, you know. <laughs> little ships they have uh-huh. and then we come back 12 years later drop a big old hydrogen bomb on their head they're of course fine their force shields protected and they're like okay this is getting out of hand guys we gotta go yeah. this trouble <laughs> it's too much drama with these weird apes
3: yeah it could have been that or it could have been once once again it could have been you know they they have a little they have a white flag a little parlay and mm-hmm. they work out a treaty wherever the aliens continue to live in in antarctica and we leave them alone yeah. you know and yeah. uh and maybe they're still down there I don't know.
4: Oh. So in conclusion, I don't know what happened. I don't really even fully love any of these theories except for, I just like aliens. So oh yeah. No, I, the I aliens, want that one to be true. Uh, so I'm going to go with yeah. that one, but it's probably more like number one. But even then there's a lot of questions. So I I don't know. Uh, you could sure let us know what you think happened during
3: Operation High Jump.
4: Absolutely. Uh, you can tell us about the hollow earth and all the stuff that kind of skipped because it's weird.
3: Yeah. No, I mean, uh, uh, Joe. What do you think happened? I really don't know. I'm, I'm liking the aliens too. In fact, I think in the there's probably at least one alien in Antarctica right now listening to the podcast. So you know, we'd like oh, to thanks. hear from. I you. really appreciate it. <laughs> We need all the
4: listeners we can get. Thank you, Alien.
3: No, absolutely. We, yeah, and we
4: don't care if you're green or have huge eyes or whatever. We'll, you're you're welcome at our pool party any day.
3: Absolutely, and especially as long as you patronize our sponsors, Mister Alien. We would really appreciate that. And you,
4: yeah, if you could write us a review,
3: write us even a review, and all that'd, that'd be stuff. great. Yeah, and and definitely, you know, you're even aliens need tampons, you know. So yeah, buy our sponsors' <laughs> products. Okay, yeah, buy, the, buy their yeah, stuff. Absolutely, these are
4: affiliate links. Yeah. Um,
3: <laughs> so yeah, no, 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 right. no I, I, I really don't. I think. Yeah, I think most likely it it, they just went down there. Theory number one: Antarctica just thrashed them a little more soundly than they thought it would. Yeah,
4: I think that one's likely. I still have some questions, but yeah,
3: yeah. And it might not. It might be too that, uh, and it might be too that they actually went down there and uh, accomplished most, if not all, of the um, uh, of the mission, and took a little more damage than they thought they would. But nonetheless, Mm -hmm. you you know, they pretty much executed the mission and it all came out okay i don't know uh, well i don't think
4: it came out that good they lost a whole ship and uh and, yeah and a few guys it, I, and they never really built the base they said they were going to build so
3: yeah i don't know yeah, yeah it's
4: that's a good question i don't really know yeah. uh I got nothing yeah so i think we can wrap this one up and
3: uh, i encourage think we probably people. should yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so anyway uh i guess that's about it stay tuned to hear the lovely test tell you how to find us by email and. And, of course, social media. And um, and also, of course, these will, these will plea for a rating and a review, a good rating and a good review. It helps review. so much. Yeah. You, you, yeah.
4: Like, it's, it, like, it sounds crazy, but like, it really does help us get the word out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and so that's about it until next week. What do they say in Antarctica when they say goodbye? Well, there's no language of Antarctica. <laughs> Ta-ta. <laughs>
0: I mean, I Ta-ta for now.
3: <laughs> Toodaloo, yeah. All right, bye.
0: The shocking details can be found at www.theshockingdetails.com We're on Twitter at Shocking Details. For discussion of episodes and more, our Facebook group is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Shocking Details Podcast forward slash or you can email us at podcast at gmail.com And if you like the podcast, please consider giving us a like and a positive review and letting people know about us.
4: No one really talks about you too. You too. Um, no one really talks about
2: ETs. They oh, cap me out at me. I heard. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey.